Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. Okay, chapter 2 of 2 Timothy from the New King James Version. Here's what it says. Paul says, You therefore, my son, Paul talking to Timothy, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I have to stop there because I have loved this verse for many, many years. Uh, Back when I was young in the ministry, oh, let me tell you, times got tough sometimes. But the Bible says here, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Be strong. Now, we know that in Ephesians 6.10, for example, it says, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And we know that uh, the Bible says in Zechariah 4.6, it says, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. But I just love this. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. In other words, when you're deficient, when you're not up to par, when you're not meeting the standards, and you just know it, you've blown it, you've uh, just... Uh, not hit the mark, and you're just feeling like, well, it's my fault because I'm weak in this area or that area or whatever. Paul is telling Timothy, encouraging his spiritual son in the faith, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Not just in the strength, yes, the strength, but in the grace. So what does that mean? That means that when you have not hit the mark and yet the ministry is right in front of you to be pursued, then stop and be strong in his grace. (laughs) Glory to God. Lord, I missed it, but I thank you that as I confess my sins, you're faithful and just to forgive my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And Lord, you've given me the grace. You've given me the ability. You've given me the gift to be able to do this, the strength to be able to do it. And Lord, though I may not feel that strength in my flesh and in my mind right now, oh Lord, I thank you for your grace covering me, sustaining me. So I choose to be strong in the grace. That's what Paul's telling Timothy to do. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 2, and the things you have that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So notice Paul said, now I've mentored you and I poured into you. I shared with you what I have learned from God. And he said, now the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these now to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So we're talking about like four generations, Paul to Timothy, who commits to faithful men, third generation, who will be able to teach others also. And of course, it just goes on and on and on. But Paul's saying, don't be a one-man show. Get some other people, just like I took you and along with others, get some other people and begin to teach them, raise them up as leaders, raise them up to delegate to them the assignment of discipling others, training others, raising up other leaders. By the way, this really relates to what we're doing with the BFAM training center, the Be Fruitful and Multiply training center, which you can go to and uh, on our website and sign up for. But this is where so many of us who have been in the ministry for years are pouring into and committing to other people what we've learned 
what we've learned from God, his word, and from mentors that we've uh, been mentored by. And we're passing that along so that you can be uh, raised up and equipped to fulfill your ministry assignment. So Paul says, make sure to pass this on to others who will be able to pass it on to others again. Verse 3, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Boy, this is not my favorite verse in the whole Bible, but let me tell you, it's an important one. You must endure hardship. You cannot back down. So, you know, sometimes we can stay in the same position, but we we we're not enduring. We're avoiding persecution. We're not doing what we should be doing. We're not saying what we should be saying because it's hard and it may provoke more persecution, backlash, disagreement, criticism and such. But it's what we're called to do. He said, Timothy, you must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. If you're called to be on the front line and to advance forward, then you have to do it, even if it's hard. He said, you must endure hardship. Verse four, no one entangled in warfare entangles himself. No, excuse me, engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And so he's telling Timothy, look, Timothy, you are called to this assignment. You're engaged in warfare. You can't get entangled with all the affairs of this natural life. That doesn't mean that, you know, he doesn't have to shower or bathe or get dressed or shave. No, he has to do all those things. He has to help with meals. And I mean, there are normal things that people have to do. But there are also temptations and distractions in this world that would advance only life in this world. And Paul's saying, look, you have an assignment on your life. You can't be like other people that start uh, embracing, pursuing, advancing things that only pertain to this life as if that's all there is. He's saying, no, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself. Notice the word entangles gets wrapped up and bound up with, entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. In this case, of course, it's the Lord Jesus. Verse 5, and also if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. You can't go out of bounds and score a touchdown. You can't be on a track and go into lanes that you're not allowed to go on and be crowned. You just can't do it. You can't cut across the middle of the track, middle of the field, take the shortcut. No, he's saying you have to keep the rules. And he's saying the same thing in ministry. There are guidelines and rules that you have to keep. You have to do it righteously. You have to do it with integrity. You have to do it according to the commandment of God. You have to be doing what God has called you to do, not just what you want to do. And so he says, if you're going to, just like an athlete, if you're going to win the prize, if you're going to achieve the trophy of winning first place, you have to do it according to the rules. Otherwise, you're disqualified. And so verse 6, the hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. What does that mean? That means, Timothy, if, if you're enduring hardship, if you're running by the rules, if you're working really hard, then you should also be able to partake of the blessing, the harvest that's coming from that ministry. Very likely, uh, Paul would be including here that Timothy should be able to be compensated for his leadership role that he's playing in the church at Ephesus. So he goes on to say, 
Verse 7, consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. In other words, think about what I'm saying, and may God help you to apply it appropriately. Verse 8, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. He's saying, even me being in prison right now, I'm suffering as an evildoer merely because I'm preaching the gospel that God revealed to me, the truth about Jesus that God revealed to me. But the word of God is not chained. I love this. Uh, For which, verse 9, I suffer trouble as an evildoer, as if I was an evildoer, even to to the point of chains, but the word of God is not chained. So I may be locked in a prison in chains, but I'm writing this letter. I'm sending other letters out from prison. I'm sending people out with messages and such. He said, the word of God is not chained. Thank God his word is not chained. So, verse 10, therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect. Therefore, I endure. Now, Paul just finished saying, you must endure hardship. But Paul's saying, here, I'm in prison, and I'm enduring it. I'm still doing my ministry. I'm still writing letters. I'm still mentoring people that I have connection with and sending them out and such. He said, I endure all things for the sake of the elect. What is, what is the elect? It's the people that God knows will receive the gospel, And we have to go bring it to them because God knows they will receive it. So he's therefore elected them to salvation. So he said, Paul says, so I've got to endure this for the sake of the elect because God knows that they will receive it. I've got to do my ministry to get this gospel as far as I can get it to reach everybody possible. Notice, notice, for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which was which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Verse 11, this is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. Don't you love that? That's eternal life. If we died with him, talking about when Jesus died on the cross, he was dying in our place. So the way that God sees it in his mind, that was us on the cross. God sees us as having already paid for our sins through the death of Jesus, if indeed our faith is in Jesus. So, for for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. Oh man, we don't want that. And then verse 13, if we are faithless, guess what? He remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. So it seems, according to the pattern, that it would say, if we remain faithless, then he'll be faithless toward us. But no, no, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. So God will not violate his own integrity to his promises and to his word to remain faithful. Verse 14, remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive strive about words to no profit to the ruin of the hearers. Now, who is he talking about them? Well, he was talking about committing these things to faithful men who will be able to teach others. Also, you're mentoring people in the ministry of the Lord Jesus. He said, remind these people and charge them before the Lord not to be striving about words to no profit to the ruin of the hearers. People who do this, they get off on arguing about this or that, this doctrine or that doctrine, but it ruins everybody around and nobody ever wins the argument. Uh, Verse 15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, 
a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth. And so he's saying that you need to be diligent to study God's word. In fact, the King James Version says, study to show yourself approved to God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So he's saying, look, the word needs to be rightly divided. In other words, certain principles in certain passages go with other principles in a certain way. But if you're dividing the wrong way and you're putting the wrong principles with uh, uh, other wrong principles or they don't go together, Paul said, you're not rightly dividing it. See, you need to have the Holy Spirit put this puzzle together so that you can see not only how it fits together, but how it applies in different situations. So you have to be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker. See, it takes work to study the word and to be a teacher of the word. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Verse 16, but shun profane and idle babbling. There's always going to be something to argue about, always in the body of Christ. He said, shun that, avoid this the vain and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. goes on to say, and their message will spread like cancer. So when you get into these things that are arguments that are going around and such, he said the message of the words and what people say, it'll spread like cancer. In other words, it'll cause more harm than good. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past. Well, some people have done this, and tribulation period's already passed, and so on and so forth. But he said, uh, no, they're wrong. He said, they've strayed from the truth. They've strayed concerning the truth, saying the resurrection is already past, and they overthrow the faith of some. In other words, some gullible people that didn't know the word of God, they weren't grounded in the word, and they weren't following the right leaders, believed them. And they started believing these heresies, these lies. Verse 19, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So God knows who is really born again inside. And if you're really born again inside, then you should depart from these things that are not according to truth. You should have a sense by the Holy Spirit when they're not accurate and they're not right. Verse 20. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of, also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Now, some people would take that to say, see, God made some of us to be dishonoring uh, or dishonorable and others to be honorable. No, that's not true because look at the next verse, verse 21. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, what is that? Dishonorable things, dishonor. If anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, set apart, useful for the master, prepared for every good work. In other words, there are things about our lives that we have to deal with, confront, get rid of, so that we can really be a useful vessel in the master's hand, a useful tool in God's hand. So it goes on to say, prepared for every good work. Verse 22, flee also youthful lust. What should you do? Flee. What does flee mean? Run away fast. Run away fast. Youthful lust. But pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace 
with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes. He goes back to this, knowing that they generate strife. So he says, flee youthful lust. Timothy, you're going to be tempted. There are going to be lustful thoughts. There's going to be temptation, attractions and things. Flee. Get out of there. Stay away. Keep distance between you and them. And he says, and serve God with a pure heart. And then avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And look at the next verse, verse 24. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel. That word quarrel in the Greek is related to the word strife in the Greek. So it really reads something like this. Avoid the ignorant, foolish disputes and arguments that happen in the body of Christ among people, knowing that they generate strife, division, and a servant of the Lord must not strive. A servant of the Lord must not play into that. We got to be peacemakers. So a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If perhaps, watch this, if perhaps, uh, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. And so Paul said, man, these people that get caught up in the arguments and strife and, and frustration with one another in the body of Christ, he said they've been taken captive by the enemy and they always are arguing and criticizing and such. They've been taken captive by the enemy to do his will. And he says, so make sure that you don't get caught up in that arguing, but be gentle and patient and in humility correcting people. If you try to correct people with pride, it doesn't go over so well. Proverbs says, the sweetness of the lips increases learning. A soft answer turns away wrath. If we'll be humble, then people will be able to receive the correction much better. And he says, and in many cases, they'll, be, they'll come back from having been taken captive by the enemy. They don't even realize most of the time that they've been taken captive by the enemy. But Paul says, listen, you need to help them in humility and patience. Well, praise God. I tell you, these are good principles for us. In fact, Lord, we pray right now in Jesus' name that you would help us to receive these truths that Paul is bringing to Timothy and the Holy Spirit now is bringing them to us. Help us to walk like this. Help us to flee youthful lust. Help us to avoid foolish disputes in Jesus' name and to pass on the things that you have taught us and are teaching us to other people in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. 
Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.